the strategist cowboy. Our first contestant this week is Kalas Julel from Nils Oscar Brewery. I am going to put that against a Jule beer called Julel, meaning the exact same thing as Jule beer from Grebestad Brewery in Gothenburg. Both are medium-strong beers. Nils Oskar is one of Sweden's craft brewery pioneers. It was founded in 1996. The brewery is located in Nyköping, about 62 US miles south of Stockholm. The Kalas Julel assortment comes in a 33 centiliters or about 11 ounces long-necked bottle with a red label featuring an early 20th, 20th century or late 19th century mustache-wearing, hat-wearing gentleman, presumably known as Nils Oscar. I really like the label. It's a one-fold label stretching from the front to the backside of the bottle. The ingredients in the Nils Oscar Lager Kalasjulöl are water, barley malt, roast barley, hops, and yeast. The hops are of the sorts Simcoe, Motueka, Tetnang, and Cascade. Two of them being from the US and one of them from Germany, and the other one from New Zealand. The malts are Pilsner malt, Münchener malt, caramel malt, roast barley, and they threw in color malt, presumably to get a nicer cooler than a nicer color on the beer then. They say it is amber. The beer which I recently purchased is good into July 2022. The beer costs about 20 Swedish kronor, i.e. 2 US dollars and 20 cents. That is 80 cents per four ounces of beer. That is cheap, but is it all that? The preferred serving temperature is according to both the brewery and Sustainbloget, eight to 10 degrees Celsius i.e. 46 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Calas Jolel has got a 5.2% ABV. How about the experience then? Let's see. Um...
about 10.7 degrees Celsius. And uh, that's about 51.2 degrees Fahrenheit on this beer. I think that is uh, uh, okay. And that's, uh, yeah, that would be good. Okay, let's open it. It's got a nice fresh aroma. It's uh, amber in color, yes. Uh, not very transparent. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah. And the foam is uh, about two fingers, two fingers tall. The first impression is that this beer is hoppy and very good it's like um, actually it's, it's, it tastes a lot like uh, uh, what you call it uh, oh forgot I forgot what you say um, uh, about these types of beers Indian pale uh, Indian pale ale Ipa beer. That's the, the impression I get an Ipa. And it's uh, fairly rich. For a 5.2% beer, it's uh, fairly rich. Is it bread-like? I don't think so. But that's just me. And it's not yeasty. It's a lager, so... It's malty. And the taste on my palate is bitterness. Is it sweet? I don't think so. But it's bitter or, or hoppy. Both. I don't think it's candy-like. There, there may be caramel malt in it, but I don't think it's candy-like. Uh, is it fruity? Orange peely, perhaps.
I, I know it, well yeah yeah it is and the spices in this one I don't know what there probably are some uh, peppery spice I don't know I'm not good with spices or herbs uh the undertone is it's ipa beer and the carbonation level is we'll see in a minute i think it's uh one moment it's it's pretty high pretty high because i'm gonna burp now <laughs> excuse me uh, so, um, it's it's fairly high. I can sense it. They want it, it wants to come up a little bit. It's not creamy, and it's not acidic, and there are no aberrations. It's orange peely, or all, all right. Um, it's a good beer, really good beer. But it's uh, very mundane, so to speak. It, it's uh, not uh, particularly outstanding in any way. The features are pretty IPA mundane, but it's not an IPA beer. This should, should be a a, a, a logger according to the well uh let's see here the beer cost about 20 swedish kronor i.e two us dollars and 20 cents so um it's cheap for a beer a beer this good even if it is a lager i don't think it's very expensive i could buy this uh, very often in the future so um Some might would would want to say that it's pine needle-like in the, the taste, but I don't think so. I, I don't like pine needle taste in beers. I think it's an aberration, not a taste, not a flavor. And I, but I don't think this is pine needle in its taste in any way. And so. Um, yeah, what about grading then? Uh, I grade this beer a moment. Let's go. Tough. I grade this beer. Uh, Even for even for a, if it had been an IPA beer, a real IPA beer, 
I would have graded it eight tables out of ten possible. Uh, but it's a logger. They, they say it's a logger. I don't know, but I don't think so. But that's what I've read. But uh, okay. For a logger, this is worth. This is one of the best loggers. If it is a logger, I don't think it is a logger. There must be something wrong. But this is uh, one of the best loggers I've ever tasted. I've ever tried. If it's a logger, but it's an IPA logger. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's an IPA beer. Okay. Uh, Let's move on to our second contestant. Our second contestant is Grebestad Julel from the Gothenburg archipelago area. Grebestad Julel comes in exactly the same shape and size bottle as the former long necked beer. This type of bottle has become very common in Sweden apparently. I've seen it. I've seen it several times before. The label, although it is grayish, is kind of Jew-like, as it features Santa in his sledge. The label is twofold. The brewery's website isn't very professional. It's downright childishly made, and yet they claim to have been around for quite some time as the oldest microbrewery in Sweden. The ingredients in Grebestadjudel are water, barley malt, and hops. There is no other information, even from the brewery, about the ingredients. The beer which I purchased recently is good into June 2022. The beer costs around 23 Swedish kronor, or about 2 US dollars and 60 cents. That is 95 cents per four ounces of beer. The preferred serving temperature is according to Systembolaget 8 to 10 degrees Celsius, i.e. 46 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Grebestadjudel has got a 5.2% ABV. How about the experience then? The color is, uh, one moment, I will <coughs> turn on the lights here. Uh, dark brownish, blackish something. Not clear, of course. And it's about a two fingers tall head. Hmm. 
the aroma is well not much not that much this is a darker beer the first impression is that it's uh, a little bit dark perhaps uh, not oily like like porters but uh, still a little bit dark in its taste that's the first impression i get and the uh the, is it rich Not for a dark beer. No, no, I wouldn't say it's rich. It's not. It's uh, perhaps bread-like, pumpernickel bread-like. It's not yeasty. Maybe malty. I don't know. I actually. Actually, I don't know, but it's sour a bit. Yes, it is. Taste on my palate is sour, sour. Not acidic, but sour. Is it sweet? Yes, a little bit. I think it is. Uh, it's not very bitter. I'm not very hoppy. It's not candy-like. Fruitiness, citrus, uh, lemon fruit. Uh, the 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 fruit juice. Of lemons. Uh, I think so, yeah. There are some spices in it. I like, yeah. Uh, I don't know what, but uh, some spices there are. And the undertone is uh, a little bit metallic in some way. Like, uh, well, aluminium or something. Carbonation level is, uh, I don't know. It's not creamy, and as I said, it's not acidic, it's sour, like lemon juice. But there are some aberrations, that's the metallic taste of it.
Yeah. Uh, uh, well, what about grading then? And I'd like to also to say that it's perhaps a little bit coffee-like. It's the darkness in it. I don't know, but it's just slightly dark. It's not really dark. But what about grading then? Um, this is an original beer. Uh, I mean, uh, original by original, I mean that it's unique in its taste. I don't think it's uh, badly made. I don't think so, but they have tried to do something unique or unmatched in, in some way, I, I guess. But uh, it's not to my taste. I don't think it's uh, uh, my favorite beer. <laughs> That I've tasted, uh, tried this on this show exactly. So, um, uh, I, it's almost a, a little watery, but it's, it can be the metallic taste in it that uh, the aberration that makes it uh, that I sense it to be a little bit watery. It's not very rich. Okay, what about grading then? I I grade this beer. Five devils out of ten possible. So it's not an average beer because average beers from Sustainbloget are better than average beers from Joe's grocery store or something like that. Because they have a quality, often, often, not always, have a quality standard. So it's not very, <clears throat> I, I can't rate it very high. Five devils out of 10 possible with sustainable August standards. Okay, absolutely don't drink and operate heavy machines, military or civilian. Drink responsibly or not at all. Don't drink at all if you're underage or pregnant. For my strategic lessons, you must remember that uh, these events stretch over years. It may not necessarily be current events I'm talking about. It could have happened years ago. Cyber lesson number three. This is the last cyber lesson for now.
implications for the U.S. economy. Edward Snowden's disclosure about how U.S. intelligence, NSA, spies on millions of people's telecommunications and data communications has led to problems for U.S. technology companies. The simplest explanation is that customers are reacting to the surveillance from the NSA, which collects what we call metadata, i.e. intelligence about what contacts people have on the internet or on the phone. In Europe, the NSA's espionage is much more up close and personal. Snowden's data has shown that large US technology companies such as Microsoft, Google, Facebook, Yahoo, have more or less been forced with reference to the law to let the NSA into their systems in the intelligence agency's search for terrorists. Since it is now known that millions of people who are not suspected of anything also are monitored by the NSA. Some of them have reacted with anger towards technology companies. When they cannot guarantee privacy, the customers turn to someone else or build their own systems, which they think are safer. The New York Times has spoken to an expert who believes that the business losses of major technology companies can reach $35 billion in a few years. Other analysts guess $180 billion in potential loss. This was in 2014. Technology companies want to know what the President and the Congress will do to, to regulate and limit the monitoring of their customers. One of Microsoft's managers told the New York Times that business customers in particular wants to know more than ever how their information is stored, used and secured. Right now, technology companies cannot provide any answers to that. They are waiting for the politicians to speak up and they are frustrated about not having received it already. They don't know how to get answers it's like sucking blood from a stone. They have more or less given up on answers by now. In March 21st, 2014, President Obama met a number of technology company representatives in a two-hour meeting. They had had several meetings before that in which they talked about monitoring, monitoring and integrity. The technology companies are also concerned that the responsibility for storing that big amounts of data would be transferred to them from the NSA. The technology companies do not want that, but it was an idea that Obama favor favored. He referred the questions to the Congress. In the meantime, new disclosures are coming up almost every week about the NSA's surveillance. Bush's and Obama's motives for NSA's 
deep wiretapping goes like this. If the NSA had the right to overlook foreign individuals and organizations, we would have been able to prevent 9-11. And they claim that they have been able to prevent terrorist attacks after 9-11, thanks to the surveillance program. The claim is probably not as true as that 9-11 could not be prevented due to territorial pissing. They didn't manage to prevent the Boston bombers or the gay nightclub shooter in Orlando, Florida, Omar Martin, from committing their deeds, even though their deeds came after 9-11. If there had been no waterproof bulkheads between the CIA, the FBI, the DIA, and the NSA, and if the organizational culture had not been so sluggish in government agencies such as the CIA and the FBI, then 9-11 perhaps could have been prevented. In the summer of 2001, the CIA in vain repeatedly warned President George W. Bush and other White House officials that an Al-Qaeda attack was imminent. A few special agents at the CIA's Alex station tried to warn the FBI headquarters that the malicious terrorist Al-Midar was in the US. But a CIA manager ordered to the agents to be silent. One of the agents stated, quote, it was a classic example of when analysts owns information, he said. Operators share information. Some analysts tended to think of information as never you mind, end quote. And the source was Esser Echot, March 2014. Anyway, these are old but very alive news. We'll probably have to wait and see if there comes a new Edward Snowden in the future that would stir up the hornet's nest. We have VPN services today, but I don't trust the bulk of the VPN providers, like Surfshark or NordVPN. What we can know is that the US security organizations will continue and try to get to get to European industrial companies' know-how with the sitting and all the future US presidents' blessings. It's like a culture of forced weddings. What solutions do you think are avail available to, US to, to us Europeans regarding how to force the current American president to a sufficient level speak up to our satisfaction about storing of data and the surveillance programs. I can tell you one thing, the closer to a second presidential terms end limit, the more the probability goes up. But at the same time, the promise will proportionally be worth less closer to a presidential terms end limit. But overall, the probability is very small for, for a thorough US account on how the NSA's information is stored, used, and secured. Please let me know if you have any ideas.
ideas. See you later, alligator at a wild crocodile. Oh, thank you. <laughs>